ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. The federal government has a new plan to solve the rental crisis. It's going to give the states and territories $15,000 every time a new home is built, so it can reach a new target of 1.2 million additional homes by 2029. Today, urban planner and policy analyst from Sydney Uni, Nicole Gurren, on whether that's really going to help and what more could be done. Nicole, we're going to delve into how the government is planning to fix the rental crisis in a moment. But first, just remind me, what are renters facing right now? We know it's not great. Yeah, look, renters are getting it on all counts, you know, depending on what data you look at. But overall, rents have risen by, you know, at least 8 to 10% over the last 12 months. For two bedrooms and one bathroom, like uh, 1,000 per week, that is uh, so expensive. I feel like there was maybe 100 people at one of the ones we were at. Um, There just doesn't seem to be, I don't know, heaps around that's like affordable for young people. Even more disturbingly, when they go to rent something on the rental market, vacancy rates are extremely tight. So for people who are on, say, a minimum wage, for instance, recent data indicates that less than 1% of the available rental stock is affordable to them. I've cut back on a lot of things, on a lot of things, ledger, going out. My rent comes out fortnightly, but I add ends up being almost half of my paycheck goes towards rent. And it's a problem for a lot of people because there are a lot of people in this country who rent. It's really hard, isn't it? That's right. We're now looking at around a third of Australian households renting and, you know, where once that might have been a transitional stage in their life, you know, between moving from the family home to forming their own family or, you know, that might have been between jobs. Now this is looking to be, you know, pretty um, more or less permanent for many Australians. Yeah. And another issue is the properties aren't up to standard. Michelle Mays, who lives in Alice Springs, she's facing this because even though things in her rental home weren't being fixed, she was being asked to pay higher rent when she threatened to take legal action, they actually evicted her. I, I actually have an email that says the fact that I was using the air conditioner in summer was why there was mould in the house. Therefore, it was my responsibility. So there's that problem as well. Look, that's absolutely right. And this is the system that we have in Australia. The onus is on the renters. And so tenants are afraid to speak up about, you know, very, very basic repairs that might need to be done to their property. So, Nicole, given the scale of the problem that we're facing here, state and territory leaders and the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, they've been pretty keen to show they're doing something on housing supply and the plight of renters. 
All governments recognise the best way to ensure that more Australians have a safe and affordable place to call home is to boost housing supply. They know it's becoming a very politically sensitive issue, don't they? They do. Uh, you know, there's certainly, it's for the first time perhaps in, um, in decades, rental rights have hit the political agenda. Mm. National Cabinet has agreed to a better deal for renters to harmonise and strengthen renters' rights across Australia. I wish we could say that the promises that were made, for instance, last week in National Cabinet would actually alleviate uh, that crisis. Mm, OK, so let's have a look at some of those decisions that National Cabinet came up with and whether or not they will fix anything. The federal government's going to give $3 billion to state and territories to build more homes. That's a lot of money. How would that work? So to wind back for a moment, we had National Cabinet, the last time they met on housing, they agreed to what was described as an ambitious target to deliver a million new homes over the next five years. Mm -hmm. The $3 billion, as I understand it, and you know, we're waiting for details, but it's a, it's a payment that happens at the end once an additional uh, 200,000 mm. homes have been delivered, you know, by 2029. Now, the problem is that the governments aren't actually doing the delivery of this new supply. Mm. Really, we should describe this as a hope that the market will ramp up new housing production and sustain that over five years, really at a rate that we haven't seen before. So you describe it as a hope, but the leaders argue that it can be achieved through planning reform. We've heard this before. This is reforms to state and local planning zones. It's promises mm. to make decisions faster and, you know, make, make planning processes simpler and easier to understand. And so it's hard to see how that $3 billion incentive payment at the end of the private sector you know, delivering those homes mm. is going to make, a, you know, the kind of difference that we really need to see right now. Okay, Nicole, so let's look at what else the leaders have committed to. They want to ban landlords from raising rents more than once a year. Is that a big shift? Is that important? Certainly looking at, you know, managing the ways in which rents can be increased. For instance, you know, Canberra, you've got a, um, an annual increase that's, that's capped to CPI, 110% of CPI landlords are able to raise the rent once a year by about that much. You know, it's a sensible mm. provision and it will mean a lot to moderate income, you know, renters. Yeah, it's not going to satisfy the Greens party, is it, or its leader, Adam Bant? He's really been pushing for a two-year rent freeze. When Labor's gathering together from across the country in the middle of the worst housing crisis in a generation, they should have frozen and capped rents and made housing more affordable for everyone. He thinks we really do need that. I guess, you know, so many other options have been taken off the table, mm. haven't they? And we've got private renters right now facing, you know, an absolute emergency. So I can understand why people are calling for an immediate rental freeze. The international evidence 
doesn't support the sort of scaremongering that, you know, some commentators like to make about, you know, private rental sector dissolving once you apply, you know, sensible um, regulations around rental increases. But at the same time, you know, regulating Australia's private rental sector and even an immediate, you know, freeze on rents will only go so far and it certainly won't fix the systemic problems we have. Yeah, Labor argues that a rent freeze of that kind would discourage investment. It would actually make things worse and there are many economists that argue that as well. The idea that the national government has the power to impose a rent freeze that is essentially to nationalise the private rental market around Australia is just not the case. The government's also announced protecting tenants from no-fault evictions, which sounds like a good step. But what other options are available? Because this doesn't sound like there's a quick fix in any of this, anything the government's announced. What else can be done, do you think, Nicole? Look, it is important to manage the question of evictions. And the reason rental leases are so precarious in Australia is because we have this rental system that's dominated by by small landlords and we don't have a dedicated rental sector, really. So if we turn our minds to countries internationally where renting in some cases is really the equivalent of owning in as much as it's secure, it's affordable, it's predictable and renters are able to, um, you know, decide the terms in which they move in and move out of their rental properties, we can see two things. One, we see strong government regulation of that sector Mm -hmm. and the other thing is we see sufficient subsidy to provide homes, rental homes of a decent standard for those on very low incomes. Mm -hmm. Now, we're not offering either of those two things in Australia, so we can't really look to those other rental models. So the measures that are on the table are part of the picture. It's just a matter of ramping them up. All right. So in the end, Nicole, these difficulties are about the mismatch between what we call demand, the number of people who want a roof over their head and supply, that is the homes that we have. And that's not going to change quickly. So unless we come up with serious answers for the short term, what happens? Well, we continue to move towards a a social and economic system that is deeply unfair and based around, you know, access to housing wealth, you know, increasingly becomes the marker of socio-economic inequality. But to, to look at the silver lining, we do have a government that is saying it is the Commonwealth's role to, to take on a leadership role in Australia when it comes to housing, and that's a critical first step. You know, um, it, for a long time it was thought that homeowners seemed to be the only voters, so that's a really positive step as well. So there are um, potential, you know, bright spots on the horizon. I think we've just got to be careful that we don't get lulled back into woolly words that sort of sound as though we're concerned about housing but don't actually look at the nuts and bolts of how we actually, you know, start to fix this problem.
Nicole Garan is a professor of urban and regional planning at the University of Sydney. In June, the federal government offered the states a one-off $2 billion grant to immediately rebuild or refurbish social and affordable housing. This episode was produced by Nell Whitehead, Veronica App-App, Sam Dunn and Anna John, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.